All right. Well, before we get into the wrong question, I do have just one more announcement uh, for you today. We've been talking to you guys for the past couple of months now about the Freedom Valley Foundation. Uh, the foundation is a fund that we started a number of years ago to really take care of this property, this bu building, uh, the mortgages here well. We wanted to save up for future projects and uh, pay down the mortgages and the debt here on this property. <clears throat> then COVID hit y'all. <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of years uh, for everybody, really, but churches really haven't been any different. And uh, the Freedom Valley Foundation has really helped us. That fund has helped us weather all of that. Thank God for all of your giving into that fund. But the update this week is that we have pretty much um, gone through all of those funds. Like that the Freedom Valley Foundation is at zero, I think, either this week or next. It's pretty darn close. Um, and so it's all it's coming out of general. Obviously, we're still going to pay the mortgage. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but we do have three of those on the three mortgages on this property. And so I want you to know we're working diligently at selling the, the property that we own across the street. We bought a number of years ago. Um, and it is under contract. We are working towards selling it, but commercial uh, sales take forever, and so hopefully by the end of this year, we can get that sold for much more than we paid for it, which is another just blessing, um, absolutely a blessing, and will help a lot for paying these mortgages and really taking care of this building well, um, but I want you to look at these numbers. So the total giving for last month for the Freedom Valley Foundation was a 1,282. Mortgage expenses per month are 8,015. And I only show those numbers to say that my goal is to try to make those numbers match a bit more. By the end of the year, I'd like to see giving into the foundation really cover the mortgage amount. And again, I hope that that mortgage amount will come down, that we can sell that property, and that one will be off of that list uh, by the end of the year. But please, if, if you love this church, you know, if you found Jesus here, if you found home here, if you love this building and these people and the resource that we get to do ministry in here, give into this fund. This is an, an over and above your tithes ask, right? The 10% the of your tithing goes into the, the general ministry that is, is biblical. It goes into the storehouse. Uh, but this is an ask that is, is just unashamedly over and above your tithes and offerings. Give into this fund. If you love this house, if you love these people, give in to this. It's an investment that is really for eternity. The ministry that we get to do here, like the VBSs you just heard about, the, the softball games in the back. Like There was one night this week when I sat here and just realized all of the ministry that was happening on a random, I think it was Thursday night, <laughs> like so much ministry was happening on this property because God gave us this property, what, 21 years ago now? It's amazing what we get to do here. This is absolutely a resource in our hands for ministry, this property and this building. And so give into it. I just unashamedly I'm asking, give into it, sow into it. It is eternity, right? The investment that you're making is for eternity because we get to see the savannas of the world get baptized here, right? People saving, people 
being saved by Jesus here, that their lives changing here, the discipleship that happens. And so I just want to encourage you to give into that. There are other ways to give. And we have a cleaning team that is looking for help right now, two or three more people every week. You can actually see Eric at the end of service or myself if you want to help with that. You can pull weeds in the, the <coughs> parking lot. There are lots of different ways you can sow into this building, this property and really um, this resource that God has given us. But this is one of those ways, effie.church forward slash give, you can um, actually pick the foundation on that line. Lots of ways that you can do that. But will you do that with me? Will you at least pray? Will you pray that God would provide, right, that we would be well provided for in the house of the Lord, and um, we would get that foundation number up? Will you pray for that with me? All right. Let's get into the wrong question. <coughs> I apologize. There might be lots of coughing today. We'll see if we can get through this. Throughout this series, we have talked about some wrong questions that we ask of God and really some pretty selfish questions. Right? There's been a theme emerging through this series. Really, what can you do for me, God? Right? What if they don't believe me? What, well, when does it get better for me? Selfish questions. All these questions sounded great in the moment, sound religious. They sound right at the time. But they were, at their heart, selfish questions. But remember from week two that even, even asking the wrong question, when you ask God the wrong question, you're still asking the right person. It's still the right thing to do. Because God will answer. He will be faithful in that. I'm not discouraging you from asking God questions throughout this series. In fact, Jesus encourages us to ask questions. We bring our requests and our needs to God, right? And he answers them. The 12 disciples from last week, from the message from last week, they didn't stop asking Jesus questions. They continued to show up, continued to learn, continued to grow. They just didn't let their offenses stop them. When Jesus' answers weren't what they wanted to hear, they didn't stop asking. When Jesus said something they didn't like, they adjusted to it rather than leaving. <coughs> Boy, this is the beginning of the sermon. Somebody pray. I get through this. All right. So to be able to do that, we have to develop this gift of faithfulness, this perseverance, the ability to stick around when things get tough. My husband calls it sticktuitiveness. Everybody say it. Sticktuitiveness. It just rolls off the tongue. You have to develop some sticktuitiveness, some perseverance in your walk with God. Thank you. Are you refilling my water? Appreciate it. We will get through this. So we talked about that, that perseverance a little bit the first week. Doubt can be good for your faith sometimes, right? We have to push through those doubts. We have to make that doubt push us through to ask the right question. A lot of us let doubt push us away. Well, I'm doubting, so I can't get baptized. I still have questions, so I can't move forward in my faith, right? can't tell somebody else about Jesus if I still have questions myself. No, ask those questions. 
Ask God those questions. Be honest with other people that you still have questions. You're still learning too. We don't have to be scared of that stuff. I don't think <coughs> doubting everything is right. There should be some immovables in your faith. Some things that you just, these are my basic truths and they're not going to change. Right? We're not talking about my truth, your truth. Just saying some things in your life that are immovable. Let me share some of mine. Number one, the Bible is true. The Bible is true. There's no debating that with me. The Bible is true. And so when I come across something in the Bible, it doesn't make sense or um, seems to contradict itself or I don't like. <laughs> the Bible is true. I change my opinions, my thoughts, my um, ideas to it, not the other way around. Does that make sense? Secondly, Jesus is the perfect son of God. Jesus is the perfect son of God. Sometimes Jesus says things in the Gospels that I don't like. Right? That if, 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 if it's true, if the Bible is true, and Jesus is the perfect son of God, then I have to change some things. And I don't want to do that all the time. Right? But he is the perfect son of God. And so... I must change, not it. Number three, God is good. God is good. This one's tougher to swallow sometimes when, for example, God doesn't answer prayers like you want him to. He doesn't behave in the way that you prefer. <laughs> when things happen in your life you've been praying for for a long time, it doesn't happen. I, Aaron and I have this saying, God is still God, and God is still good. Right, when we're going through things, thank you, that are tough, God is still God. God is still good. If this is happening in my life, it's for a reason, and I'm going to trust him. God is good. So just, again, the Bible is true. Jesus is the perfect son of God, and God is good. These truths in my life will not change. No matter what I see or hear, no matter what I believe, my opinions must line up with them or I must discard my opinion and start over, okay? Jesus taught these things that were, so many things that were just downright offensive to the Jewish faith. Uh, the 12 disciples had to have this underlying immovable belief that Jesus was the son of God or they would not have made it through Jesus' three years of ministry. And we, we talked about last week all the disciples that left Jesus, right? They didn't have that underlying belief that Jesus was the Son of God, and they let their doubt push them away. The 12, do you remember what they said? Who else has the words that give life? Where else would we go? To whom else would we go, Jesus? You are the Son of God. You have the words that give life. They stuck around because of that underlying belief, right? <clears throat> Jesus is the perfect son of God. It means when he says things, it can't contradict him, itself because it is perfect. So I have to raise my understanding to it rather than write it off or make it make sense to my opinion and belief. Does that make sense? Just the basis for what, we, what we're talking about today, just... Again, to put this in perspective, before we get to our scripture, we're going to Luke 11 today. Jesus taught how to pray. 
in Luke 11. And you've all heard the Lord's Prayer before, but we're going to read that today. But there is more to it, to Jesus' teachings of praying, how to approach God with questions, really. That just, if you don't have these immovable beliefs in your life, things don't necessarily make sense. Like, I still, with this particular passage, I'm like, God, well, Jesus, what are you trying to teach here? And I've heard this so much. Like, our culture has the Lord's Prayer memorized. Most people have it memorized who haven't even been to church before, okay? To the Jews of the time, it would have been even more countercultural and crazy sounding. Jews' prayers were generally more adorations, meaning they were praises of God. They were overwhelming. Um, it was like they were layering it all on thick. They were buttering God up with their prayers. They were doxologies, uh, which is a liturgical formula of praise to God, meaning they followed the same thing. They all knew the same prayers. They all knew the same rituals. They could recite them at will. This was praying to God. There, there was no petitions and requests and asking God for things in their prayers. John the Baptist started this teaching of praying differently right before Jesus came. Remember, John the Baptist was to prepare the way for Jesus, right? And so not to, he taught to not recite prayers, but to make prayers. That is, make them up. Ask God for things. Make prayers to God, not recite them. It's more of what we see prayer as today. And so, yes, Jesus taught to praise God, too. Don't get me wrong. Praise and worship is so significant in a believer's life. Worship centers you on who God is. It's not anything about you. Most people get praise and worship. They think they're the same word or the same idea. Praise is thanking God for everything that he's done for you. Worship, though, is specifically about who he is. God, thank you for providing for me is a praise. But God is the provider, is worship. Thank you for healing me, is praise. God is the healer, is worship. Does that make sense? It's significant. It's an it's a important distinction because worship focuses you on him. Praise focuses a little bit more on you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. We should be thanking God. But to remember that God is the provider when things are tough, of course he's going to provide for me again. He already has, right? You have to remember how big God is. I mean, when Job was struggling, God reminded him how big he is, just how much he can handle, that he ordered the universe and everything in it, right? That, that, that he controls all of it, and he can obviously control Job's situation too. So worship is a practice that should definitely have a daily place in your life. Remind yourself who God is. Because he's so much bigger than our little issues. Get your eyes off of you and onto him. Off of the provision and onto the provider. Does that make sense? So, yes, Jesus taught to praise God too. To acknowledge who he is. But I think Jesus was saying that if you truly do know who God is, you would ask him for things. If you know who he is, you would ask him because you'd understand that he can give them. God can and that he wants to. So listen to, from Luke 11, how Jesus teaches us how to pray. Verse 1, 
Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They talking about John the Baptist. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer. A lot of you didn't know this. This teaching went on, right? Teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. <clears throat> Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. So first of all, if a neighbor shows up at your house at midnight asking for food to feed their guests, scale of one to ten, how mad are you? Ten being the maddest. I'm in bed, okay? I'm, I'm like ten. Don't, <laughs> Josh is up, so he's fine with it. I'm like, dude, you woke me up because you're unprepared for your guests, right? Like, I'm thinking, <laughs> maybe it's just me, but I, I'm a little annoyed already. Like, to me, this story seems like it's about selfishness. You're waking up your neighbor. It just seems a little, <laughs> anybody else? Seems a little about selfishness. I know. I know. This story isn't about laziness or selfishness on the part of the asker. The asker here actually isn't asking for himself at all. He's asking for a friend. In that culture especially. Now, our culture, we have 7-Elevens. You know what I mean? We have Taco Bell's open till 2 How I don't know, late. Sheets is open late. Uh, We have places you can go. For food. In that culture, there were no 7-Elevens, okay? When a guest showed up, you fed them. This was very important in that culture and time. Weren't Burger Kings at every intersection. Any neighbor would have felt the responsibility to feed a guest, okay? They treated guests like gold. It was also how they exchanged news, right? They they didn't have Twitter, um, newspapers even, so they exchanged news through traveling guests. Um, It was definitely something ingrained in their culture. Jesus is saying here, show up and ask. You are, you're not in the, he doesn't place us in the position of the one being asked. In his example, you're the asker. Show up and ask for the things that you need. Jesus is basically saying, you have a blank check from heaven. Write whatever you want. Show up on God's doorstep and ask him. He wants you to ask him. When you have a need, bring it to God. He's saying, if you need bread at midnight, come and ask for it. Now, an important distinction here is that this is not about get-rich-quick schemes. The Bible in general, and this is why it's important to know the whole scripture, (laughs) To not just pick and choose out of context, but to know really the themes of all of it. The Bible doesn't like get-rich-quick schemes. Uh, Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Have you ever, have you ever seen the statistics on people who win the lottery, like big ones? <clears throat> 
they crash and burn quick. Some of them are murdered by family members. I'm not joking. They crash and burn quick. It's not, it's not healthy to not build the principles of wealth first. But don't get me wrong. The Bible doesn't mind wealthy people. I'm not saying we should all be poor. But get rich quick schemes are not healthy for us. We have to learn how to manage that. And it does take some time. Luke 16 says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. We were talking about some, we were talking about this last night. One of my, (laughs) I want to say pet peeves, but I hate that term because it's like something that you like to be mad about, having your little pet. Uh, But one thing that really bothers me is when I see Christians especially, um, you know when you go to the buffet and it's like, kids 10 and under are free, and you have an 11-year-old? Oh, yeah, they're 10, right? How much is the buffet? Like $12.50? Is your integrity worth $12.50? Come on. One who is faithful and very little... Is all, I'm, I just I can feel the conviction in the room. <laughs> Some of us we've done this before. We've been there. <laughs> One who is faithful <clears throat> in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? The Bible doesn't like get-rich-quick schemes. This is not about asking God for Lamborghinis and mansions. (laughs) He asked for three loaves of bread, guys, (laughs) to feed his guest. He's asking for what he needs, not what he wants. There is a difference. This isn't about selfishness and laziness. This isn't about getting rich quick. Don't get me wrong. In the previous few verses, Jesus just got done teaching to ask God for provision. Ask him for the things that you need. But it always gets me. Jesus taught us to ask God for daily bread. Not bread for the week. Bread for the month. Bread to get me through to my next paycheck. Bread, overflowing bread for the year. (laughs) Daily bread. Can you imagine if we actually lived this way? God, just give me what I need for today. Just what I need to get through today. I don't know about you, but I love Sam's Club. (laughs) Like stocking up. Like it makes me feel so secure and like taken care of to have tons of food in the house. Right? You like to go in your pantry and see food there. It makes you feel... I'm taken care of. What, what if I actually didn't have anything in my cupboards and I asked God to provide me daily bread? It's a whole different way of living that I, I can't even, I can't imagine. But Jesus actually lived this way. He actually, like, he didn't have a roof over his head. Somebody provided for him daily. We see um, disciples, women, mostly following him around paying for his ministry. Look it up. It's in the Gospels. They, they make the meals, and they make the arrangements, and they pay for his ministry. Jesus 
lived this way, when you're doing the will of the Father, God provides people to help. He does. But ask God for the daily bread that you need, the things that you need. Don't get, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray that God would get you through to your next paycheck, okay? I think that's actually what Jesus is teaching. God, help me. Provide for me and my family. Help me feed my little mouths and, and get through, right? Daily bread. Not riches and glory. We're not out there asking for riches and, and glory. We're asking for bread to eat that day. We're asking for glory for the Father. Forgiveness and the ability to forgive. Relief from temptation. These are simple but powerful principles in your life Jesus is asking us to pray for. God always prefers spiritual health to physical wealth. Not a principle we love, right? Sometimes we would prefer physical wealth, if we're really honest, to spiritual health. But God prefers spiritual health every time over physical wealth. God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but when you're following Jesus, your heart's desires change. Let me say that again because I'm not sure you all just heard that. When you're following Jesus, your heart's desires change. When, when you see a new believer come to know Jesus, somebody that you've invested in and poured into and answered their questions and answered their late night texts, when you see that person that you've been discipling come to know Jesus, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but that moment, <laughs> the whole world changes. It's addicting seeing your friends come to know Jesus. You just want more of it. You want to dedicate your life to that because it's, it's powerful and amazing. When you actually see those moments, everything changes. Your heart's desires change. You would give everything for that. All your spare time, right? And us introverts, we need spare time. I'd give it all to have more of those moments. All the extra money that you're saving up for the future end of the world or whatever, I would give it all to see more people come to know Jesus. Your heart's desires change when you're following him. Let's keep moving. Number seven, verse seven. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. So we're still talking about a neighbor at the door. Suppose that neighbor calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Let me tell you what, that would be my response. Go away. I'm sleeping, right? But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knock, knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need. <laughs> okay. So again here, I used to think, Jesus, this is a real weird way for you to present God. Like if this, in the analogy, if this is God answering a prayer, like are you trying to say God's just annoyed at me all the time? Like, I'm just here knocking, and God's like, yes, fine, take it. Is that who? That's not who I know God to be from the rest of Scripture, but Jesus is the perfect Son of God. And so, again, I go back to the Scripture, and I'm like, what are you saying here, Jesus? Right? <clears throat> but, again, Jesus isn't talking about necessarily the nature of God here. He's talking about the way that we ask. Right? We're not putting ourselves in the place of the asked, God, 
we're putting ourselves in the place of the asker in this story. You and I are the asker. God isn't necessarily annoyed at us. Jesus isn't trying to teach that. This, the story isn't about annoyance on the part of God. This isn't like a mom, 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 mommy, mama, mama, mom, mom, mom. <laughs> All moms know this moment. And you're like, what? Good Lord, just spit it out, right? Again, just me? No? Okay. <laughs> Story isn't like that. This is not, Jesus is not trying to describe God like that, okay? It's not about his annoyance. It's not, it's not God blowing up and just giving you what you need just to get you out of his hair, <laughs> okay? This story is about you working for something, this story is about being diligent in your prayers. It's about being steadfast in what you want. Keep coming back and asking God, because honestly, we are so double-minded in our prayers. That comes from James, I believe. Don't be double-minded in your prayers, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James 1 says. So what does it mean to be double-minded? I have seen this around these altars, people coming for prayer so many times, they will present the problem. And I'm like, okay, so what are we praying for? And it seems sometimes obvious, like the problem is a health issue. Okay, obviously we want God to heal us, right? But when I ask, okay, what are we praying for? Because I want to hear it from them. The answer is all over the place. The answer is, well, um, I'd love for God to heal me, but if he can't, then uh, let the surgery go well. And if that doesn't happen, then, then let the medication work. And if that's it, well, okay. You just came up with three solutions here. Let, what are, which one are we praying for? We're wishy-washy in our requests to God, actually. Which, it's like God is looking at us like, okay, you're knocking on my door here at midnight, but what do you actually want? What, what can I actually, which one, because I could do them all, but which one do you want, right? James 1, to go on, it says, Don't, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed about by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. I don't know about you, but I want to receive stuff from God. <laughs> I want my prayers answered. So I'm going to be specific in what I want. I'm going to show God that I'm, I'm serious about what I want. As humans, we, we ask for different things every day. Uh, we come to the altar, we ask for a prayer, we ask for one thing, and then the next day we're asking for something else, and the next day we're asking for something else. God wants to know that you actually want what you're asking him for. He wants to know you're serious. Don't just ask once or twice. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. Keep asking, and it will be given. Some of us, we pray these dinky little prayers once. We're like, well, that didn't work. So I'll go try my own thing now, right? But the very next day, you want something else. God knows human nature better than we know it. He knows us. Most of us can barely decide on what we want to eat for lunch, much less what we want for our lives, right? So this story, isn't, it's not about annoyance. It's about faithfulness on our part, asking God for the things that you need. 
Because he will get up and give you, this is verse 8 again, give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Here's the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach. Shameless persistence. Verse 9, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if, you, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, this story is about shameless persistence. I, I once had a supervisor in a job ask me, you know, you have like quarterly reviews or whatever, and you get called in their office and they ask you all kinds of stuff. And one of them said, what are you proud to bring to the team? And I thought about it for a second and I said, I'm, I'm proud of my ability to just get things done, like to follow through. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Because at the time I was so frustrated with other people on the job, dropping balls and just not following through with what they said they were going to. And he looked at me like, <sighs> I mean, I was really more asking for like a specific idea or like something that you accomplished and you're proud of. I was like, oh, well, I accomplish things all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Kind of bragging on myself. But I was like, I've accomplished like 18 things this week. I'm proud of them all, but I'm proud that I say I'm going to do it and I do it. Have you ever had that, that one friend that's like, Super fun to be around. Love when they show up, but they almost never show up when they say they will. Like, they say they'll be there at three, and they just, it's hours later. They finally show up, or they just, they're flaky. They don't show up at all. Like, we all have that one friend, right? Some of you are like, I think I'm that friend. Uh, I have always valued faithfulness. I may not be the most fun person at the party, probably sitting in a corner just talking to one person. <laughs> but I show up. If I say I'm going to be there at 5, I'm there at like 4.55. I can't help myself. It's, it's faithfulness. It's something I still highly value. If you tell me you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> be early. Be on time. Do it. There's this faithfulness principle. God knows exactly how forgetful we are. He does. There is this value to faithfulness, to showing up and asking God. We forget so much. This is why that principle of worship is so important, to continually remind yourself who God is, to, to read your Bible on a daily basis, to continually remind yourself what he says, right? We have to remind ourselves. Human beings need reminded way more often than we need taught. We forget. We forget God is graceful even when we don't deserve it. We forget he is merciful even when we do deserve punishment. We forget that he is love because we can't feel it in the moment. We forget that he is God. I mean, not 24 hours after we leave the church doors on Sunday, probably not two hours after we leave the church doors on Sunday, we forget who we are in him. 
that I can stand up here and say that we are we're bold and brave, we're powerhouses for him, that, that we walk by faith and not by sight, that we are strong and courageous, that we are free and focused, and we have a purpose unto him. We are commissioned, and we have a destiny in his kingdom. And I, You can feel good in the moment. You can feel ready, but you're out those doors, and you're dealing with traffic, and it's forgotten. Persistence in the kingdom faithfulness in the kingdom is worth so much. And, and let me tell you, persistence in going to God with your needs, it, it's not bullying. It's not manipulation. We're not like just being spoiled rotten brats in God's kingdom. And then when we don't get what we want, just as an example, Aaron and I have been praying for something very specific for the past five years. We just found out lately we didn't get it. <laughs> Not exactly like we wanted anyway. And when I came to Aaron to tell him the bad news, bad news, I thought he was going to be disappointed and a little angry and frustrated at God. And just let me brag on my husband for a second, because when I went to him with the news, he said, okay. So we didn't get exactly what we wanted, but it's still a miracle. God is still good. God is still God. And immediately, I mean immediately, his attitude was still good. <laughs> like five years we were praying, guys, very specifically. We were sure God was going to give it. And he gave, just not in the way that we wanted. Immediately his attitude was still good. Uh, he said to me later, I've lear I learned the lesson a long time ago. We had a long walk through kidney failure. Most of you are around for all of that. God didn't provide that in the way that we wanted either. But God is still God. God is still good. We're still here. We're still ministering. We're still standing. It wasn't exactly in the way that we wanted, but we learned the lesson a long time ago that God is still on the throne even when I don't get exactly what I want. That he is working things out and that he knows better than I do. If I didn't get what I want, he probably has a better plan. I'm just going to trust him. Maybe my want was off, right? Maybe I didn't get what I want because I shouldn't have it. And I'm just going to trust God that you know better. You are still on the throne and you are still sovereign. Shameless persistence doesn't mean you'll get everything you want exactly as you want it. It doesn't mean you get to be a spoiled, rotten brat in God's kingdom. Stomp your feet and say, but God, I wanted this. I wanted a red one and you gave me a blue one. How dare you? Right? That's not what we're talking about. There still has to be, remember, those underlying beliefs that I mentioned in the beginning. The fact that God is good. He is good. That's the underlying belief. That is something that is never doubted anymore in my household, in my life. I don't doubt it because I've seen him be faithful so many times. And so when he, does, when he seems to do something or something happens in my life that isn't good just trust that it will be. It will be because he turns all things into good for those who love the Lord. It may not feel good today. I have no doubts that he is good. He's going to work it out for me. When you truly believe that God is good, you'll trust him even when you don't get your way. Listen, the only, the only way the disciples got this teaching out of Jesus was by watching him and then asking him, I said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us 
how do you pray like that? We've always been taught these rote, recited prayers, these words that we've memorized when we were kids. We thought that's how, but you're, you're praying a different way. Teach us. Teach us how to pray. This week is actually an example of the right question. The disciples asked the right question. They were asking Jesus to teach them, and he did. And it didn't really seem to make sense. All of the story probably didn't make sense to them in the moment. Here we are 2,000 years later still trying to understand it. But it's the right question. We have to ask Have you asked God to teach you something lately? Have you asked him to teach you? Because verse 13 says, if you sinful people know how to give God, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Did you notice that last line? Sometimes we ask for wisdom God gives us an extra dose of the Holy Spirit. We ask for forgiveness, Holy Spirit. We ask for patience, Holy Spirit. God's answer to a lot of our requests is more of him. We did this whole series last winter now, was it? Last winter, I think, where remember we had a well up on stage and the wellspring overflowed. Because we go to God and we ask him for these specific things. We ask him for like patience, faithfulness, love. God's answer to all of those things are more of himself. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit because the gifts of the Holy Spirit that overflow out of you when you have him living inside of you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When you have the Holy Spirit living within you, those things just flow out. We're, we're pursuing one gift of the Holy Spirit. God wants to give you more of him, all of it. So it can overflow onto the people around you. Are we too busy pursuing one aspect of the character of God that we can't see that the Holy Spirit is the answer to all of those problems? And he's just waiting for us to turn our face toward him. And what have you observed Jesus doing lately? Some of us, this is where this breaks, this teaching breaks down. So we haven't observed Jesus doing anything lately. (laughs) We haven't been uh, working on the people in our lives. So we haven't been showing them Jesus. We haven't been discipling anybody. And we haven't been reading our Bibles to see what he did in the past. We have no idea what Jesus has been up to lately. (laughs) A, A very easy way to do that is to read your four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, show us the life of Jesus here on earth. And let me tell you what, just those four books will take you a lifetime to understand. A lifetime. You can read through them all, go back to the beginning, read through them all again, and see completely different, amazing truths, pieces of wisdom from him. What have you observed Jesus doing lately? I always encourage new believers to start reading in the book of John. Just because John sort of lays it out in these very simple terms that's easy to understand. And then it leads right into the book of Acts and the start of the church. Uh, 
but you have to observe who he is in order to be a follower of him. Don't start at Genesis. Genesis is crazy. Hard to understand. <laughs> you have to text me like every day if you're reading through the book of Genesis and ask crazy questions. Start at John and ask the right questions first. See Jesus for who he was dealing with everyday people. Yes, 2,000 years ago, but still everyday people asking the wrong questions. See his responses. Observe him. Don't just read it to get through it. Don't just try to get through all the chapters as quickly as you can to check off the box. Observe him. Watch him. Put yourself, close your eyes and feel the dust of, you know, Jerusalem. Feel the, the wind and the waves on your face. Like, put yourself in that moment. Listen. You know what? It's never been easier. I can hear your excuses right now as I'm saying this. I hate reading. Right? Listen to it. version will read to you. It's a Bible app on your phone. I know y'all have smartphones. Put it on your phone and listen. Watch the chosen and see it on the screen. There are so many ways, so many. You have it all at your fingertips, I promise you. BibleGateway.com, BlueLetterBible.org, I think. Uversion.com, like the best Bible tools at your fingertips. Understand it. Dig into it. Observe him and what he's doing. And then ask him questions. Jesus, that teaching made no sense to me. Help me understand it. He will. What have you observed Jesus doing lately? And what are you asking him to be taught right now? What are you asking him? A lot of us through this series, we've realized we don't ask God questions all that much. We go to church and we worship and we sing and we, whatever, we go through the motions and then the Bible is collecting dust on the shelf. We're, we're not in it. We haven't asked him anything lately, except for maybe let me have a good day today, God, and bless me, you know, the rote prayers. Jesus is teaching you to pray something else, pray something real. Ask him a question. If you're not asking, how can God give it? Let me encourage you. Ask him. Ask God to teach you. Ask him for things, yes. Ask him for provision. Ask him for your daily bread, absolutely. But also ask him for principles. Ask him for life lessons. And ask him to, to teach you how to follow him. Those lessons will stick with you for the rest of your life. And they will teach you so much more than just giving you your daily bread. He will change your heart when you begin to ask the right questions. Just don't stop asking. The wrong question today is, is the one unasked. The one we haven't asked. Ask him. What are you asking God right now? I want to encourage you. Write it down. So again, a lot of us will leave these doors today in one ear and out the other. We won't remember. If you brought a notebook today, write it in the notebook. If you didn't, grab a connection card on the seat around you. Flip the thing over and write down your question. Maybe it's provision related. Right? You, you need a, a raise. You need a new job. You need food in the house, clothes on the kids. You need a way to pay for something specific. Ask 
him. He wants to give it to you. Maybe it's spiritual growth related and you would like to learn how to pray or, or the baptism in the Holy Spirit or you'd like to learn how to have more patience or how to be kinder to your family or how to not let anger and bitterness and selfishness overtake you all the time. Write it down. Don't just write bullet points. Write a question. Maybe it's relationship related. A marriage that needs restored a relationship with your kid again you haven't had in a while. Maybe it's finding a friend or two or a group of friends, people you can live life with. Maybe it's physical, a healing you need, a treatment, a medication, a doctor who understands, an insurance-related thing. Whatever it is, write it down. Ask him. Keep knocking door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Father, we thank you for this teaching. Thank you for disciples 2,000 years ago who asked the right questions and wrote down the answers so that we can still learn from them today. God, help us ask the right questions. Help us keep asking the questions to, to keep coming back to you and to keep knocking not give up the first whisper of adversity. Keep coming back to you knowing that you are good. God is still God and God is still good and I know he's going to come through. Maybe not in the way that I wanted but in his perfect timing and way. God help us be people of faithfulness. Persistence. Diligence. Help us work hard at communication with you. You are the God that speaks. You are the God that listens, the God that heals, that provides. We want good things for your children. When we ask, you give it. Thank you for being who you are, God. We praise you. We worship you. Help us ask the right questions. In Jesus' name. Today, heads bowed and eyes still closed. Maybe you're still writing your question. That's okay. Today, I just want to give you an opportunity to sort of raise your hand in class and say, God, I have a question. We're going to be students, disciples in the classroom of Jesus today. Raise our hands asking a question. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I have a question for God. Any question provision, health, spiritual growth, whatever it is, raise your hand. We're going to pray over those specifically. God, I pray for every single hand raised. If you're at home watching, raise your hand. Pray for everyone listening right now that as they reach out to you, you would reach back to them. You would answer that question. You'd be involved in that moment that even now they would begin to feel you speaking, that over the next week they would feel your presence, feel your answers, feel your provision, your healing being poured into their lives. Thank you for question askers in your kingdom. God, help us be better question askers. In Jesus' name, heads bowed and eyes still closed. One more opportunity for you today. 
If you're saying today, I've never given my life to Jesus, I wouldn't even call myself a disciple yet. I, I want to learn and grow. I don't even know how to ask God questions yet. But Jesus came specifically to make it easy, to make your, your path straight, the Bible says, to, to make your relationship with God right again. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. A lot of us have all these excuses, right? I, you don't know what I've done, Pastor Candace. I, God would never accept me. If God is good, I, I'm not. So how can I come to him? I'm so not good. Jesus came specifically to address that. He came to offer himself as a sacrifice. He paid the price to give you freedom for free. So now all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I accept your forgiveness in my life. And I just want to say out loud that I, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live my life your way to the best of my ability. We call that salvation. Around here we say, I'm in. I'm into following Jesus. If that's you and you, you want to pray that prayer for the first time today, or maybe it's been a long time, would you just raise your hand right where you are? If you're sitting here in the room and you want to say, I'm in to following Jesus, raise your hand right where you are. If you're watching at home, you can text the number on the screen. Keep your hand raised just until an usher gives you a little card. It just has a little prayer on it. It's going to help you make that decision well. Father, once again, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you that you are a God that wants us to ask you things. You are generous and kind and good. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.